Hey everybody, Zach Holman coming live from Cusco, Peru. We're traveling the world, we're making money, we're doing deals and we're helping people. And today I wanna to talk to you about finding the money. This is one of the biggest challenges I hear people talk about when they first get started in real estate or even a lot of veterans because they don't know what's possible. They don't know all of the tools that are possible inside of raising money. So we're gonna go over some of the different aspects of raising capital. But before we do that, I wanna I want to make it very clear that money should not be a problem. And let me specify why I say that, is because if you have a good deal, it should be easy to raise capital for. Now, what I see most people uh, trying to do is they try to find uh, money for a bad deal, and that's really hard. So if you've ever had a challenge with raising capital, it might be, I'm just saying it might be, because it's a bad deal or it's not structured properly, or maybe it's a great deal, but it wasn't, maybe it wasn't uh, put together correctly, right? Maybe you didn't highlight it correctly. Maybe you didn't put together a, a packet that really highlighted what you're trying to articulate. Because I've seen many times people will just send me an address and then they'll tell me, hey, I'm trying to raise 50,000, 100,000, $250,000 for this property. And all they send me is an address and they're expecting me to do all the due diligence. Well, I don't have time for that. And I know a lot of other people don't have time for that. So before we even talk about different ways to raise money, let's talk about finding good deals and presenting that information to the potential uh, prospect that you're trying to raise the money from. So first off, I've done several other videos on how to find a good deal. If, if you're struggling with that, watch those videos because it's my belief if you have a good deal, it's a lot easier to fund. And then the question is, is what do you do if you have a good deal? Well, if you don't have those relationships, if you don't have those connections, it's gonna take a little bit more effort. Today, I can literally call people up and say, hey, I got a good deal. I give them the highlights of it, and then they wire the funds into either escrow or my bank account, depending on how we're doing it. Now, I will tell you, it did not start off like that. I have done a lot of hard work, and I've used my reputation, right, because I follow through with what I'm gonna do. I deliver on my promises. I do what I say I'm gonna do, what I'm gonna do, and, if I don't, I'm always in communication with that person. I'm always in communication with the money. I'm always in communication with my partners and letting them know what's happening, what's changing, because communication is key when you're raising money. And then specifically, once you have that money raised, you wanna stay in communication and you wanna make those people sleep at night. You wanna make them feel comfortable with you. You want them to know that you're the best person for their money. And so how we're gonna do that is first off, we're gonna talk about how to, what are we gonna do when we're raising the capital? So first off, when you're talking to people, you wanna put together a packet. Now this packet can be, uh, a one pager, it can be 20 pages. I've, I've had 30, 40 page packets because I've raised a lot of money on very complex deals and I want them to know what they're looking at. So depending on the type of deal, it's gonna depend on the type of packet that you're gonna put together, but they're all gonna have the same information. Now, uh, uh, hit me up, uh, join our Facebook group. I have these packets. I, I give them away to people inside of our Facebook group. I give them away to people inside of our, our advanced masterminds. So it's a template. Essentially, you, you uh, uh, get to see what I created 
it. I have multiples of them. You get to see what I created. You just take out my stuff and put your stuff in. You take out my deal information, you put your deal information out. You take my partner's information out and you put your partner's information out. But the key things people are looking for is how much money do, are you looking to raise? Is it debt or equity or a combination of both? Or is it, uh, are there some options? Is there option one where it's all debt? Option two where it's all equity? Option three where it's a combination of both? And I like to do that. So I like to give them two or three examples, two or three options to choose from. Because like my one buddy says, if you give them three options, they're going to forget there's a fourth. And that fourth option is to say no, right? That's fourth. So, uh, but you really want to understand, look at it through the eyes of the person that's going to be writing that check. So you want to say, how much money am I looking for? How much time am I looking to borrow it for, to use it, to to uh, joint venture, whatever uh, uh, structure you're using. So how much, what's the duration? Uh, what am I making in return? How much are they gonna make in return? For example, are they making 10% uh, over six months, 10% over 12 months? Are they getting 50% of the deal? Are they getting 25% of the deal? Are they getting a piece of equity, uh, I'm sorry, a piece of debt, meaning you're, you're gonna pay them 8% uh, for their money and then they're gonna get some of the equity on the backside? These are all options that you have at your fingertips to entice these people. Now everyone is, the, the reason I like to use multiple options is everyone's gonna have a different risk profile when you're raising money. There's gonna be people out there like, uh, that want short-term high interest money, short-term high interest loans. So there's gonna be people that love short-term high interest lending. There's people that are gonna love short-term high return partnering. And then there's people that wanna do it for the long haul. There, there's people that wanna keep their money in play because they understand that uh, these short-term deals, it's hard to keep their money in play, specifically if they don't have uh, the resources and they don't have the the network to do that. And what I mean by that is imagine if you're uh, uh, lending money or you're, you're uh, you know, you're investing your money and you, you invest it for four months, you get an 8% return on that. And then you can't find another deal for the next six, 12, 18 months. That sucks, right? Because your money isn't in play. And one of the biggest challenge a lot of people with money have is keeping their money in play. So if you have access to investors, access to capital, the one thing you wanna be able to show them is, hey, I can keep your money in play. I can keep it earning interest. I can keep it uh, earning a return however you do that, okay? So those are, those are a couple of things. How much, what's the time, what's the return, and then here's the big one. What's the risk? Now, risk is very hard to quantify, but I like to quantify it in real estate using a couple things. I like to say, hey, we bought this property at X percent. If you show them the numbers, you bought a, a $200,000 property at $110,000, you're going to put $30,000 into it and it's going to be worth two hundred. dollars that shows, right, if you, could, if you could articulate that correctly, that shows that there's very little risk. Now, that is my opinion, right? That's my opinion. But the other ways that you can show that you can mitigate risk is you could show them comps. Don't make them work, right? If, if you have a property at 123 Main Street, show them the comps that you use to get the ARV. Show them the estimates that you use to get your rehab costs. Show them all of the details because there's 
two different type of people out there. there. There are many more, but on one end of the spectrum, there's people that are just gonna glance over everything and they're just gonna look at the, the highlights. And then there's people on the opposite end of that spectrum that are going to look at every detail. So if you already have that uh, laid out for them in a packet, you're going to, what you're gonna do is you're gonna send it to everyone in your list, you're gonna send it to everyone that you know, you're gonna send it to everyone that is potentially a money partner, money lender, however you wanna articulate it, and then what you're going to do is you're going to talk to the people that are interested and say, hey, I looked at your packet. It's great. I have some questions. Because if you don't have that packet, what's going to happen is you're going to be fielding the same questions over and over and over and over again. It's going to be an absolute waste of your time. So do it once. Put the energy in creating that packet. Now you want to include photos of the property. You want to include uh, photos of the comps. You want to in include some market data. And what I mean by that is what is the average uh, days on market? What type of properties are selling? Who lives there? Give them a sense that when they look at this packet, they have very little questions. And the questions that they do have are gonna be very specific to the deal itself. Because we want to articulate, we wanna we want to transfer all of this knowledge that we've done and, and, and created and, and, and all this research that we did. We wanna take all of that information and then we wanna put that inside of this packet so when they see it, they're seeing this deal through the same lenses as us. And what I mean by that is if you don't give them the information that you got, what they're probably gonna do is A, they won't do anything and they'll pass on it, or B, they're gonna go do their own due diligence and they're probably gonna see it through different lenses. We wanna be able to show them this deal through our eyes, show them why it's uh, how we can mitigate that risk, show them all of these different factors so it's a no-brainer. And that only works if it's actually a good deal because this, if, if you're going through all this work on a bad deal, it, they'll, they'll be able to tell right away and so will you. So if you're new to this, go through this process, go to our, our Facebook group, our website. Uh, we have these packets that we can send you. So it starts as a template. You can see how we've created this and you can download them yourself and just fill in the blanks. Now I've used this for single family rentals, single family flips. I've used this for big portfolios, 28 plus properties where we're actually uh, you know, buying them with, with traditional bank financing and we need gap funders. So uh, those, are, those are the things that we want to include. Again, uh, how much, what's the time, what's the rate of return, and what's the risk? And that risk one is always, uh, you know, it's always fun to try to articulate uh, how much risk is in a deal. Now, some ways that you can do that is run some different scenarios. Say, hey, this is our worst case scenario. If everything hits the fan, this is what it's gonna look like. This is, and then second scenario is, hey, this is probably what it's going to happen, right? And then the third one is, if everything goes perfect and we do better and expect it because we were conservative on our numbers, this is what it's gonna look like. So you give them some different scenarios inside of that. And then again, they can choose from their own point of view and say, you know what, Zach's a little aggressive on that, uh, on that rehab, but if I have a worst case scenario with a higher rehab and a lower ARV and it still makes money, they're gonna see that this is a good deal, okay? So now that we have this laid out, this is so crucial. I, 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 I wish I could put more emphasis on this because most people won't do this. Most people won't go through this process to get a good understanding of the deal themselves. So when they're talking to the people, they're able to articulate 
all of those four factors that I talked about. So make sure you do that. So when you go talk to the money, it's going to be way easier. So now that we have that, let's actually jump in and talk about different types of different types of uh, money to raise. So let's go. All right. So when we're raising capital, we need to distinguish a couple different ideas. And I say ideas because there's actually different types of money out there. There's debt, there's there's low interest, long-term debt that requires income, requires credit, requires a lot of underwriting and a lot of paperwork. There's um, there's uh, short-term debt that is, in my opinion, easy to get. It doesn't require income. It doesn't require credit. They lend on the actual deal. Now, Debt is different than equity. I want to talk about equity. Equity is when the person giving the money, and I say giving because we have to be very intentional with the words that we use, because if we use the word investing, what we can do is we can actually cross over the SEC guidelines. And if they're an investor and we're raising money without a license, we can get in trouble. So this is a very fine line. I'm going to show, I'm going to show you how we walk that line. We manage that line to be responsible around it. So debt is a fixed payment. It's a, over a fixed period of time. And traditional debt is uh, when you're raising traditional debt, there's, there's no, uh, how do I say this? There's no fluctu fluctuations in returns. You're going to get a, a, a flat rate of return, 8, 10, 12, 15%, whatever you negotiate over a given time period. And if they don't deliver on that, and it, now keyword, you set it up correctly, you can foreclose on that property and actually get your money back. But if they make a home run on that deal and they make millions of dollars, you're still only getting a piece of that. Uh, I'm sorry, you're still only getting that fixed rate of return that you negotiated. Now, equity on the other uh, side is you're actually taking a piece of the profit, but you're also taking a piece of the risk. Now, there's lots of variables inside of raising equity because you can, you, uh, you can limit your upside, you can limit your downside, you can limit both. And the key is, is having a great attorney, having a great team that understands that and understanding the deals yourself because we raise a lot of money do, doing uh, all the strategies that I'm going to share with you today. And, and some deals require different strategies. Like some deals, equity doesn't work. Other deals, debt doesn't work. Other deals, we use a combination of debt or equity. So debt is fixed payments or a fixed period of time and, it, and it's fixed return. And if they don't get, if, if they don't pay that, you can get the, uh, you can foreclose on the property. Now there's a lot of, uh, variances inside of that but this is on the general scale now equity is you're taking some ownership in that as the money now let's talk about debt so there are hard money lenders out there now these individuals are typically institutionalized money and what i mean by that is their business is lending money now they're typically very fixed in all of their variables and what i mean by that is they're fixing their rates of return they're fixing their points their uh their their process let's put it that way they're fixed in their process now most of these hard money lenders traditionally will lend on the deal. Now I have seen hard money lenders that lend 90% of purchase and 100% of rehab. Now, once we start getting up into that realm, they start requiring a lot more information for underwriting. All the way down to, I've seen people that have lent 60% of purchase only and you can and they'll do it the next day because there's a lot less risk when they're only lending 60% of the purchase. And then I've seen every uh, everywhere in between there, What's typical, and I say typical for what we're doing, is 80% of purchase, 80% of rehab with no credit checks, no income checks. 
and they're lending on the deal. Now, here's the key. They also lend on us. And what I mean by that is if you're brand new to this, you're probably going to have a higher interest rate. You're probably going to have a high, a little bit higher fees. And as you create that relationship, as you prove to them you're worthy of lending money to, you can negotiate that down because they're, 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 you're less of a risk because you're proven. Now, if you're working with somebody that's been doing this for a long time, they have a track record, their relationships, their credibility gets them typically a lot better rates of return. Then you have private money. Now, private money can be debt, it can be equity, it can be a combination of both, but private money is a private individual that you know that you get to create the rules. And what I mean by that is, as long as it's legal, you can do it and it's very flexible. And that is why private money is one of my favorite types of money to raise because it's very flexible. I can defer my payments, I can create some equity, I can I can put, a, a, I can make it debt, I can make it fit the deal. And that is absolutely crucial to understand. Make your money fit the deal because if your money doesn't fit the deal, it won't be a deal. Now, some examples of private money include 401ks and IRAs. Now, there are people out there that can self-direct their 401k and they can invest it anything that the IRS allows them to. Now, if you have a 401k or IRA and you're working at a company, Traditionally, you're only going to be allowed to invest in what they allow you. Mutual fund one, two, three, and four. And outside of that, no, right? You can't do it. But uh, if you self-direct that 401k, you can invest it in anything that the IRS allows. That includes real estate, private businesses, a lot of different things. Now, if you need somebody to talk to about that, let me know. We actually have an individual inside of our community that is nationally renowned on this topic. He, he's written books, he, he's an expert at it, and he does free consultations. So if you wanna learn how to invest, you take your 401k or start a 401k that's self-directed, let me know. Now, life insurance is another aspect. Again, it could be your money. Everything I'm talking about can be yours or somebody else's. I'm going to talk uh, about it from the point of somebody else. Now, uh, a whole life insurance, uh, we use this a lot inside of our community. It's, it's called infinite banking, becoming your own bank, different things like that. But the thing that they all have in common is they use life insurance. Now we love using whole life insurance. You can also use IULs. That's a whole different conversation. But the key is, is there's cash value to those life insurance. And if you know somebody with a life insurance policy, specific one that has cash value, they can borrow against that cash value and use that money for whatever they want. They can go buy a sports car, they can go on a vacation, or they can invest in your deal. So again, what we're doing is we're opening the door to what's possible so that you know how to have these conversations with people. Now, a home equity line of credit is another great source to fund deals, again, typically through private money. Now, if there's somebody out there that has a half a million dollar home and they only owe $100,000, they have $400,000 worth of equity that isn't doing anything for them. So you can show them how to get a home equity line of credit on that house and then borrow from that home equity line of credit at a very low rate, typically two to 4%, and then lend to you or partner with you uh, inside of a real estate deal or inside of, of something else. You could use a lot of this to maybe fund a business or fund a real estate deal. I love funding real estate deals because it's a lot easier to, the, to fund a real estate deal than it is to fund a business in my opinion, because real estate 
is collateral. A business is an intangible asset. It's an idea, it's a concept, it's people, it's processes. And if you mess up and you don't follow through, there's not a whole lot of value in that. However, with real estate, if you mess up and they and, and you bought it right and they and they and they did the paperwork right, there in my opinion, there's very little risk inside of that. So home equity lines of credit is another great idea. Credit cards. I actually bought my first house on a credit card. It was actually four credit cards that I learned how to liquidate at 0% and I used that money to actually buy my first house. Now the key is, is learning how to get these credit cards and liquidating them, not at the cash advance rates. That's key there, not at cash advance rates because at that rate, typically the money won't work for the deal. Now then we have, we're gonna move into some uh, seller financing deals. Now, seller financing is an overall uh, blanket for different strategies. So this could be debt, this could be equity, this could be a combination of both. Now, one of the strategies that I absolutely love is called subject to, buying a property subject to the existing mortgage. And essentially what that means is you're leaving the existing debt in place inside, uh, 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 you're leaving the existing financing in place and the ownership, this is key here, the ownership actually gets transferred to you or your entity or whatever you're buying in. Going forward, we're buying everything in some very advanced trusts that we're using. So that way we don't have to pay capital gains tax or uh, taxes on residual income. Uh, if you're not at that stage yet or you don't have that, you're typically gonna be buying them in uh, corporations. Now it may be an LLC, it may be an S Corp, it may be a, a, a joint venture, but the idea is that house, the ownership goes into that entity and then the debt stays in the seller's name and then you make payments on uh, let me, on the behalf of the seller. Now this is not a loan assumption, two totally different things, okay? But the great thing about these subject two is you're getting traditional consumer-based financing with no income checks, no credit checks, typically on a 30-year mortgage, typically two to 5%, uh, which we cannot get as investors uh, at this rate. And you can do as many of these as you want. And what happens is, is when you have this long-term low interest financing in place, you can open up to almost any exit strategy that you can think of. You can wholesale these, you can fix and flip these, you can buy and hold these, you can uh, sell them contract for deed, you can do a lease option, you can sell them retail. It's just a typical, uh, I'm sorry, it's just a way of financing. Now, another uh, thing that falls into the seller financing bucket is what we call contract for deed. Now, what happens with that is the seller is the bank and the ownership stays in their name until you pay it off. Now there's different terms for this, agreement for sale, contract for deed, depending on the state, depending on your location, will determine that uh, what it's called, but they're all very similar in nature in the sense that the seller is the bank, the seller is carrying the, 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 the loan, and the, the ownership, the deed, is staying inside of the seller's name until you pay it off. Right, so that's a different risk profile. Uh, then we have lease options, sandwich leases. Now what's great about a lease option, you can use it as a purchase strategy and you can also use it as an exit strategy. But given the fact that we're talking about raising capital here, we're gonna be talking about specifically using it as a purchase strategy. So what you can do is you can actually go find somebody and uh, do a lease option. You can buy a property 
based on the lease option and, and they're two separate documents. Now this is very crucial that you understand this. When we do lease options, we want two separate documents because the lease is gonna have landlord tenant rules. The option is gonna be more uh, homeowner seller rules and they, they fall under two different categories and there's court cases out there that have uh, proven over and over again, if you put this in one document it messes everything up and almost always they're going to side on the side of the tenant buyer right tenant buyer and so i don't even like to use those two words together tenant because it implies ownership and if we're applying ownership and if we're crediting any of that monthly payment back to the uh, monthly principal in some places in some instances they could uh, consider that Financing, and if you're financing a, a more than a handful of deals without a license, guess what? You're breaking laws again. So you really gotta know this stuff. But a great example of a lease option, how you can use that to make money, is you 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 set out a lease with the specific terms, you set out an option with specific terms, and then you go and you fix it up per the paperwork that's already in the paperwork, and then you're adding value. And then you go and you list it on the market and you sell it for more than you have in it. And then when you have it under contract, you exercise that option to buy it at 100 and sell it at, let's say, uh, 180, right? And then you get the difference of that, uh, uh, the, the profit. And that's a great way of seller financing that mixes a little bit of ownership and a little bit of debt inside of that. So next up, we have commercial financing. So there's commercial financing on residential properties. There's commercial financing on commercial properties. Now, typically, these uh, a lot of these fall inside what I call soft money. And what I mean by that is they're they're typically less expensive than hard money, uh, and they're not quite FHA, VA type of loans is that cheap. Most of them still do require uh, underwriting. So they're gonna require uh, tax returns, they're gonna require at least a credit check, maybe even some income. The credit check may uh, look for liens, uh, uh, IRS liens and different things like that. And that credit check may determine your interest rate. Now I've done loans, multiple loans like this, where they do use my credit, and they don't look at my income, right? They look at the income of the property, they look at the value of the property, how much I'm trying to get out versus what it's worth. Now this will have traditional underwriting uh, flavors to it, so understand that. Then we have traditional financing. This is a VA, uh, this is a VA, FHA, we got you know the re uh, residential consumer financing, you know investor type of loans that really require a lot of underwriting. Where you know more Fannie Freddie type of, of stuff, where they're going to look through everything. They're going to look through your taxes. They're going to look through your income. They're going to look at the deal. They're going to look at the windows and make sure that they're up to date. They're going to look at the electrical outlets and, and the circuit panels and the roof. They're going to be doing inspections. This is, in my opinion, the cheapest but the hardest to get because it takes so much underwriting to get through. And if you're trying to do real estate like this on, on wholesale deals or, or off-market deals, it's a lot, typically it's a, it's a bigger challenge because it takes so much time to qualify for it. You have to first get it under contract, and then it takes time. And then if it's a fix and flip, it probably won't get approved unless you know you're doing something like the two or three K loan. But you know, sellers that are distressed that we're dealing with don't want to wait. They want cash. They want it now. They want their problem to be gone. Now, these are some great tools to use on uh, refinancing out properties. These are some great tools if you actually have and you can find some good uh, properties on on the MLS or that maybe that may qualify for this, right? And then you can cash flow them.
All right, next up we have crowdfunding. Now there are crowdfunding websites out there and you can just Google that. There's Google crowdfunding for real estate. There's tons of websites out there. Uh, now the challenge with that is you're typically gonna have to prove to them your worthiness, your credit worthiness, your uh, deal worthiness, and that takes time. Again, we like to deal with off-market properties that, that go quick. So this, this is a great source for people that know how to use it and that have the deals. Remember, we have to make the money match the deal, okay? Next up, we have private placement mem memorandums called PPMs. Now, these are a way to legally raise lots of money from lots of different individuals. And what you do is you have to create a document that essentially says, uh, investor beware, you could lose money, this is dangerous, you know, very uh, bold print that almost, you know, if, if you were a typical person, you would say, why would I even lend money to uh, on this deal? But, you know, they take 20, 30, $40,000 to create. And then if you have, if you're raising a lot, a, a little bit of money from a lot of people, it's a lot of uh, reporting. It's a lot of bookkeeping. I knew a guy that raised $5,000 from people. All, uh, he raised a million dollars in five to $10,000 increments. The tax returns were complicated. The bookkeeping was complicated. The reporting, the meetings, the investor relations was very complicated. You're better off, in my opinion, finding a, a few amount of people with big checkbooks that can fund your deals as opposed to a lot of people with little checkbooks. Now, cross-collateralization is another fantastic tool that we use. So let's imagine you have a property that's worth half a million dollars that has no debt on it, and you want to buy proper, the second property, you can actually cross-collateralize property A, and essentially what that means is, hey, they're putting a loan on A and B, uh, property one and property two, in case you uh, default on that loan or default on that agreement, whatever type of agreement it was. Now, grants is another great way. Now, here's the thing about grants. Be careful who you work with, or if you know how to do these yourself, go for it. But these typically take a lot of time and a lot of expertise. We have a fantastic grant writer in our community. So if you're interested in knowing more about that, she gets us tons of money because she's been doing it for almost 15 years. Now I have an individual inside of our community that got a, a grant to redo historical houses in Elgin. Right, This money he did not have to pay back. Now the key is there's rules that come with this money typically. And the rule that came with the money that he got was you, uh, you had to return that house to a uh, uh, that standard era, you know, the 1940s. It had to have those wood shingles. It had to have the copper uh, the uh, uh, around the gutters. And, it, you know, the old windows, uh, the glass pane windows, has to look like it's from a certain era. So there's a lot of towns out there that want to rehab these historical homes that will give you grants. There's grants out there on different ethnicities. There's grants out there on uh, different all different types of things. But the key is, is find somebody that is proven and that has referrals and a track record inside of this because I've heard time after time after time of people paying for grants and never actually getting any money. So make, make sure you're working with a, a professional. Now here's a great, great um, conversation I like to have people that love to invest in the stock market. I have friends that are their stock gurus, that's their that's their forte and they don't wanna talk about real estate until, until I say this, I say, why don't you use margin on your stock account? And they look at me like, what? So imagine they had a million dollars in the markets in play. They could actually borrow money and use that as collateral. So let's say they borrowed $300,000, they partnered with me on a deal, and then 
I paid them a return, I paid them a percentage of the profit that exceeded what they borrowed from. So let's say they, they borrowed at 5%, they're paying 5% on that, and let's say I'm giving them 15%, or I'm giving them 30 to 40% of my deal, and it exceeds the money that they actually borrowed on. This is a great way to have conversations with people in the stock market that don't wanna pull out and take capital gains taxes, that don't wanna pull out and lose a position in something that they've been working on for a long time. And then last but not least is, uh, I, mean, I could go on and on and on and on, but the, uh, the the idea is that you can use a combination of all of it, all of these. You can you can uh, there's there's ways to finance deals outside of this that I haven't even talked about. But this should get you started. So equity partnerships that that is where you bring the property, you bring the knowledge, you bring the workhorse. They bring the money. Now their money could uh, this sort of falls in private money. Private money could be debt. It could be equity. Like I said, th this equity partnership could. Uh, take money from their margin uh, account on their stocks, their uh, home equity line of credit, credit cards, cash, any way that they can get that money, they can bring it to this equity relationship and actually fund that deal. Now, the key with these equity relationships is, I'm sorry, equity partnerships is you don't want to violate any SEC standards. So really make sure you understand the rules and regulations around that. And here's the best way that I can, uh, I guess, share this message is they need to have a say in what happens. If you just take their money and you never talk to them again and you lose it, they could argue that they were an investor, you, you know, you, you scammed them, you did all of this. And I'm telling you, when they, when, when you do not want to be in this situation because when you go to court, they're, the courts almost always are going to side on the, the, uh, the person that lent the money, the person that provided the financing. And then us as the real estate investors, we're bad. You know, we're, we're, we're seen as you know, greedy. We're seen as in this negative con connotation. Now, make sure if you're doing the equity partnership, make sure the paperwork is correct. Make sure you're going through title. And what I always like to do with my equity partnerships is put a lien on the property for the amount of the principal that they're lending. That way, if something doesn't go as planned, they're protected. I always try to keep look through everything through the eyes of the money that I'm raising. They're protected. And what that means is if, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow and I don't follow through on that deal, they have a certain timeline, 6, 12, 18 months, whatever we say, and if they don't get their money back, they can actually foreclose on that property, get their principal amount back, and not have to go through a lawsuit because they're, they're actually, there was a cloud on title. So there are so many different ways to raise money using combinations of all of this. The key is, is understanding the nuances, understanding the details to each one of these different type of financing, and then understanding the other financing that's out there. This is just the start of the conversation, but this should be able to, to get your mind going. And then what we wanna also make sure is that our money matches our deal. And what I mean by that is you, you wanna use low interest, long-term financing for cash flow properties. You don't wanna use high interest, short-term money for long-term deals. So make sure that the, the money matches the deal. And if you have any questions whatsoever, we do trainings uh, more than three times a week. Our advanced masterminds, we actually have 18 trainings 
a week, not a month. We're consistently adding them. They're in person, they're on Zoom, we have daily calls, we have people that have done almost every type of real estate investing you can think of, and the idea is we can do more together. So if you're interested in learning how you can join our team and join us on a daily basis and do deals together, reach out, private message me, uh, hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, uh, any of the social media platforms out there. If you have any questions whatsoever, make sure you're asking them inside of our Facebook group. We love to help people, we love to empower people, and you know the key is is getting started, getting some clarity and having that support structure, and that's what we're here for. So congratulations on making it all the way through this. Hope this sparked some creative ideas and hope you can take it to the next level. If you have anything that you need to share with us or any questions, don't be afraid to reach out. Have a beautiful day, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, 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 oh,